Hey, this is Scott Taylor. I am so glad that you have joined us. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church, and we would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at TPCGVL, or you could text the word CONNECT to 864-479-4483. We've got a word for you today that I hope challenges you and inspires you. jump in to the book of Mark. We've taken a couple of weeks off because we've needed to discuss some other things and I want everybody to get this. So the reason I'm doing this once we've started the podcast and recording and that's not for y'all, that's for them, is to let you know about the marriage conference that's coming up the last Friday and Saturday of this month. If you are engaged, you're a man and woman engaged or married, we would love to invite you to be part of our marriage conference. Uh, Sergeant Benny Durham, who's the chaplain for the sheriff's office, is going to be here, and he's going to be sharing. He's a retired pastor with lots of wisdom to share, and you'll just like him. And so I would encourage you, I would actually ask you, if you're a married couple or you're engaged, to come to this. Because this is a good opportunity to help you. He's told me a little bit what he's going to be teaching. He's going to be teaching about making marriages thrive. All right, and we need thriving marriages in today. So if you want your marriage to thrive, come to this. If you don't want your marriage to thrive, then don't. Choice is yours. There, I said it. All right, so it's $20 per couple, and that starts on Friday night. That helps cover the meals and the material that we're going to serve because we're going to feed you on Friday night. We've got your kids taken care of. By the way, let me just say this. We're not going to have child care during this marriage conference. We're going to have kids ministry during the marriage conference because we don't just watch kids. We minister to them. So if you've got kids, don't worry about it. We got you. All right. You can sign up, pay and do everything by texting marriage to that same phone number 479-4483. So very important. I hope that you'll do that. So let's dive into the book of Mark again. We've taken a couple of weeks off and the reason we did It's because we needed to address some things, and we've done that. And one of the things that we addressed through the book of Mark was that, or by taking that break, is that we God wants us to turn our heart to Him. And we realize and we learn that it's not us that does the turning, it's God that does the turning. Like I know that some of you think you can set an eternal alarm and you can wake up at certain times and you might come close, but there's a reason that you have to set an alarm in the morning to get up is because your body can't do that on. You need a prompt. You need something to wake you up. And in the same way that you need something to wake you up, Physically, you need something to wake you up spiritually, and it's God's way. It's sending the Holy Spirit to tap you on the shoulder and saying, hey, there's something more for you. There's something more for you. And so what we learned is we learned that that Jesus gave us three warnings about the yeast that kind of gets in our life. And we know that yeast, I don't know how many bread makers we've got in here. I personally go to the store to buy mine, but... Maybe you make bread, you put a little yeast in, you mix it all in, you can't tell the difference, and then that's what helps it to, to uh, rise, right? That's what helps it to grow. That's what helps it to be fluffy and, and good. But just a little bit of yeast mixed in with the batch of flour is enough. And he warned us about the yeast. Later on, he actually uses the example of the yeast of the kingdom of God, which is a good thing. But in this case, he gave us a warning about the yeast. And these are the three warnings that he gave us. He tells us, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, 
And we told you that that means religion. What is religion? Religion is you're going to make it. You've got to do. You're going to follow through the rules. You're going to do this, this, and this, and this in order to get to heaven. Like religion is based on like what you think it takes to get to heaven. Religion is based on what you're going to do to earn salvation. You cannot earn salvation because Jesus did it all for you. The second thing he said is in blue, so you probably know where we're going today, is the Yeast of the Sadducees. These were the people that did not believe that there would be a resurrection. So in other words, they were hopeless. In other words, they said, this is it. This is all there is. There is no resurrection coming. There is no hope coming. There is, this is it. This is all there is. We all know people that are living life as if this is it. Well, I got news for you. This ain't it, y'all. This ain't it. Because one day Jesus is going to come back. And that's a little bit what we're going to talk about today. And when he does, we're going to experience the reality of the hope that we have in him. And then he told us to beware of the yeast of the Herodians. And these were people that believed in worldly influence. These are people that believed in worldly leaders more than they believed in God. They believed in politicians more than they believed in God. And if anything has divided America... In the last few years, it's whether you're a donkey or you're an elephant or you're neither, right? Like nothing has divided us more. And depending on your picture of God, then, then you think that's who God is. If you're a conservative person, well, God's conservative. If you're a liberal person, well, God must be liberal, right? And the problem is, we have formed God in our image rather than understanding that we are formed in His image. And so there are going to be some people that stand before God on Judgment Day. They're going to have a rude awakening and a very big surprise, but we'll get into that later. So He gives us these warnings. He tells us to beware of religion. Beware of hopelessness. Beware of the worldly influence. Beware of how that's going to do. But listen, today what I want to talk to you about this idea of hopelessness. And we're not going to focus on hopelessness. We're going to hope, focus on hope. But in order for us to understand hope, we've got to understand what hope is not. And so this is hopelessness. But we've got to have hope. I wish and I want for you to have hope, to live in hope. Not to live as if there is no hope. What is hopelessness? This is the... This is, the definition of what hopelessness is. A feeling or a state of despair. Lack of hope. That may not help you a lot. I think we all understand what hopelessness is. Like we can know what it is in our brain, but maybe we don't have a way of verbalizing it or a way of putting it, but we know when we feel hopeless. We know when someone else is hopeless, right? Like last week, many of y'all football fans thought the year was hopeless. Hopelessness is my definition. Hopelessness is when you can't. You hear me? Hopelessness is when you can't. You can't change it. You can't make it better. You can't see it changing. You can't get out of it. You can't. And all you can see is that this never going to work out. All you can see is it's never going to change. All you can see is it's never going to get better. 
All you can see is it's never going to happen for me. All you can see is they always get it better. How come they, they're not even living right? At least I go to church. How come everybody else gets to and I have to? Huh? And we think about hopelessness. We think about we can't. And I'm just here to tell you that I know the past few years has been difficult, and I know it's been heavy, I know it's been a lot of change, and I know we've seen family walk away, I know we've seen friends walk away, I know we've seen people walk away from our life. There have been casualties in our life from people that we thought would always be there and are no longer. And that's brought in this hopelessness, it's brought in this idea that we can't. Well, I'm here to tell you, you're you're partially right. You can't, but God can. And if you're putting all of your hope in what you can do, you're putting your faith in the wrong thing. Hope in Christ isn't based on chance. Like we think about what hope means. Well, I hope I win the lottery, right? I hope I pass the test. I hope I get the job. I hope she notices me, right? We hope, we hope, we hope, we hope, but that's all based on chance. The hope we have in Christ is foundation. It's the founded, it's the foundation that we have for our faith in what he has already done. Like it's what Jesus has done for us is why we can have hope in him. Don't miss that. So when I say the word hope, I'm not talking about hoping I win the lottery or I'm hoping this happens or I hope somebody gives me a check for a million dollars. Right? Hope is founded in what Jesus has already done for you. Here's the problem with Christians today. We're so far separated from any real trial and tribulation. Now, we experienced some stuff during COVID, right? But we're so far removed from real trial and tribulation. The Great Depression, World War I, World War II, right? We, we, we think about what the generations before us went through. That we don't really think about what Jesus has done for us because we're pretty self-sustained on our own. We're good. I got this. Somebody will bail me out, credit card, bail me out, this will bail me out, that will bail me out. I know a guy, right? But I just want to encourage you to understand that the hope you have in Christ should be founded on the work of Jesus and what He has done. So I want to remind you how Mark chapter 4 ends before we start Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 4 ends with Jesus and his disciples getting into a boat. You need to remember that most of the disciples that were in the boat with Jesus were fishermen, professional. Some of y'all think y'all might be professional, but these were professional fishermen, right? So they'd been on the lake, they'd been on the sea, they'd been on this all this stuff. And so they were used to storms coming up. They were used to being battered. They were used to riding the waves. They were used to going through the motions and of, the, of the waves and the wind and all of that. And this storm that came up must have been a doozy, but they forgot that Jesus said, hey, let's go get in the boat and go to the other side. 
So in other words, the word of God was, we're going to go to the other side. And they're going to this place where Jewish people really didn't go. They really weren't welcome. None of their people were there. And they were kind of a little bit, ah, we don't need to go to them. because. But Jesus wanted to go. And I firmly believe that the reason Jesus got in the boat to go across the lake in order to, to have the disciples experience the storm so their faith would be built so they could have enough hope for the person they would encounter. Sometimes you as a believer, you as a follower of Jesus, you have to go through things so that you will be stronger. Yeah, so the next time you'll be stronger and you'll face that. But really and truly, it's for somebody else. It's for the people that are in your life. And we've got to understand that when we're followers of Jesus, our life is not our own. You're not living your life just for you. We are called to live a selfless life. And I am so concerned that we in the church, and we'll talk about we at Turning Point Church, I am so concerned that we're so consumed with ourselves that we are forgetting to live our life in front of other people. And to have faith and hope for them. So Mark chapter 5, they get through the storm. They get to the other side. Jesus gets out of the boat. And as soon as Jesus gets out of the boat, he's met. And when he, Jesus, had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. We're going to understand here in a second. That's an understatement who had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. So he had been chained with shackles, and, and because he was possessed by demons, he would had this supernatural sprint, strength, and he would break the chains, and, and they couldn't bind. They didn't know what else to do with him, so he's living out in the tombs. He's living in the graveyard, living in the mountains away from everybody. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles were broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. So he's just this wild dude that was just running around, doing all this stuff. And then look what he says. And always, days and night, he was coming. He was in the mountains and in the tombs and crying out and cutting himself with stones. So this crazy man is just there, and he's running around like a crazy person, and he's cutting himself, and he's doing all kind of crazy stuff. And, and no one, they didn't know what to do with him. Like he's this outcast. And listen to me, he hadn't always been an outcast. He hadn't always been cutting himself. He wasn't always running around in the graveyard naked with no clothes on and doing his thing. Like he hadn't all, at one time he was probably a normal person. At one time he was somebody's son. At one time he was somebody's brother. At some, one time he was somebody's neighbor, co-worker, maybe husband. We don't really know much about him. But we know this, that at this stage of life, he has no control over his actions. He has no control over his mind. He has no control over what he does, how he does it, what he says. He's just running around doing stuff. And when, Jesus, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. If you have your Bibles, you might want to underline that. Like If you're a Bible marker person, underline that one because we'll bring it to life here in a second. 
And the man cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you? You is capitalized. Talking to Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. I implore you, I beg you, by God, that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Jesus said to the man, Come out of this man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. I'm not here to freak you out. But a legion of Roman soldiers were about 6,000 men when they were fully staffed. So this man could have had thousands of demons inside of him. And I know we don't talk about that, and that's a little weird, and we're all a little, you know, what is we talking about? All right, I'm not the guy that sees the devil behind every bush or anything like that, but this is the Bible, this is what it says. It's an account of what's going on. And you need to understand there is an enemy out there who wants to destroy you. There is an enemy out there, and there is spiritual warfare, and there is all of this going on. But you understand this, that the enemy cannot cross the bloodline. You don't have to live in fear if you're a follower of Jesus. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if you'll understand that, it'll change the way you live. Amen, Pastor. Thank you for getting with me, y'all. That's a hint. All right. So I want you to understand, here's this man that's possessed by potentially thousands of demons. And his first response when he saw the Son of God was to do what? Worship Him. You need to understand that the power of God is so great that thousands of demons have to bow down and worship Him. Also, I want you to understand something. This is while Jesus is still on earth. This is before he was crucified. The man possessed by thousands of demons, his first response was to bow down and worship him. I hope you understand the power and the magnitude of that statement. Philippians chapter 2 tells us this, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You need to, can I just clue you in on something? I realize that we live in a society right now that there are no consequences and you can't tell me what to do and I'm this and I'm that. Well, I got news for you. One day, every single person that has ever lived is going to bow before Jesus. And you can either do that voluntarily while you're here on earth by giving your relationship to God or you'll do it mandatory when you're in eternity. Because even the demons who hated Jesus had to bow down and worship Him. And if you think you're exempt, are you wrong? Every single person that has ever lived will bow down before God one day. And you can either do it voluntarily now and live for Him and experience His blessing. <laughs> or you're going to do it later. Whether you want to or not. Because we are in His presence. And when He saw Jesus from afar, here's the challenge this week. I want everybody this week to use the word afar 
in a sentence with a coworker or a family member without saying, hey, my pastor said to say, everybody work that in. And he ran and worshiped him. This is the power of God, y'all. This is the power of God's presence in our life. Whether or not you choose to live your life and recognize that Jesus is Lord is irrelevant to the reality of the fact that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you don't have to believe that Jesus is Lord for it to be true. You can believe that there is no heaven and there is no hell. doesn't change the fact that there is. You can believe that you can live any way you want to and you don't have to live for Christ and you'll still get to heaven. doesn't change the reality that that's not true. That you've got to live for God. You're called to holiness. You're called to live for Him. It's the reality that every single person who has ever lived will face. Have I hit that point hard enough? Because it's true. We all know somebody that is caught up in hopelessness. Now, we may not know somebody that, that like is at the extreme where they have legion of demons inside of them and they're possessed and you can't do anything with them and they're running around in the graveyard and they're, they're cutting themselves and doing all the things. I saw a guy who was running down the road yesterday. I thought it was a little odd. thought about this. He was jogging and he was coming out of the cemetery. Not a place I'm going to jog. Anyway. As a follower of Jesus, if you're listening, go for you, man. As a Jesus follower, you are a hope carrier. We may not know somebody that has been possessed by a legion of demons, but we know somebody that's not overcoming alcohol or drugs or pornography or, or, or maybe we just know somebody that can't get out of their own way. Anybody know people like that? Don't raise your hand. Don't do this. Don't name them in the... In the Thread. Ooh, he's talking to you. No, don't do that. Right? But we all know somebody that's caught up in something that they can't get out of and we just see them in this endless cycle. I got somebody in mind right now. I'm just thinking, they just sabotage everything they get into. And they can't get out of their own way. Every relationship that comes, everything that's good for them, they just take the path of least resistance and go to the people that aren't. Because that's what we do. But the world needs the church more than ever before. The world needs hope carriers more than ever before, y'all. And I got news for you. This is why we're so big about community. This is why we're so big about Bigger Than Sunday, your Monday through Saturday. This is why we're doing what we're doing. It's why we're revamping our huddle leadership and our huddle structure and, and all of that is because we need hope carriers and you need accountability and you need people that are going to lift you up and encourage you. Stop pushing people away that love you the most. As a pastor, I pray for you. 
as a man, I want to strangle some of you, right? Because it's like, you're not helping yourself. Stop. What are you doing? We need to be hope carriers. And here's the reality, y'all. Your view of God will determine your level of intimacy with Him. Like how you view God will determine how close you come to Him. If you view God at this like, you know, sheriff in the sky that's got his pistols on his side, he's just ready to zap you as soon as you mess up and do something wrong, you're not going to get close at all. John Maxwell actually says there are four pictures that people have of God. He said the first one is a wall. And it's a wall you got to overcome. It's a cl- you got to climb it. You got to get over it. And this obstacle, and he's way over on the other side. And you're over here on this side. And he's not paying attention to you and he doesn't care. That's real hard to be close to the wizard behind the curtain. Please tell me y'all know the Wizard of Oz. Okay. Then he says the next picture that's incorrect is, is they see God as the staircase to heaven. And they see us. This religion thing that they've got to do, they've got to climb the steps and it's up to them. They've got to get closer and they've got to do and they've got to go through the steps to get to God. And it's all the way up to heaven, so I'll never get there. So God is this just distant entity that we can never be close to. We just have to keep going through the grind, doing the work, following the procedures. And he says the third is an incorrect picture of God. He says, it's like a garbage dump. And really, this is more of a view of yourself because you're like, I'm not good enough. He doesn't want me. He can't. Don't you know what I did last night? Don't you know what I looked at? Don't you know where I went? Don't you know who I went with? Don't you know what? And we, we have this picture of God that is this garbage dump and oh, we're just below beneath him. We'll never, God doesn't, God can't love me enough. But the correct view of God is He's a door. And He's standing at the door. And He's knocking. And all He wants you to do is to open it. And let Him in. That's all you have to do, y'all. Open the door. Let Him in. Listen, you're here. Congratulations. That means you're trying. You're listening. You're watching. Congratulations. That means you're trying. Take the next step. We've been talking about that for weeks now. Take the next step. Like whatever's next for you. Maybe it's actually taking your Bible, unwrapping it, pulling it out of the box, blowing the dust off, whatever it is, finding it and opening it up and reading it. I just challenge you. Phones are great. I go by, you know, the Bible app and, and I read it. There's, there's, a couple of us guys that we go through and we read the Bible through every single year. And we do it through the Bible app. And so every morning, part of my routine is I listen to God's Word. But I want to challenge you to, to find a Bible that makes sense to you. Probably not a King James Version. You want to know what I read out of? I read out of the New King James Version. Right? Find a Bible that makes sense to you. If you want help, I'll be glad to help you. Some of you might want to stay away from, but I'll be glad to help you. And find a physical Bible with pages and ink on it and read it. Spend time with God every day. 
And don't just work it in. Make it a priority, y'all. Because your picture of God will determine your level of intimacy. Also, your level of discipline will determine your level of intimacy. Mark chapter 5, so what happens? It's an interesting story. You should go back and read it. Jesus cast out the demons. They asked permission. So the legions, he had lost his voice. He couldn't even speak for himself. He couldn't think for himself. He couldn't act for himself. So these legions of demons is asking Jesus to, hey, please have mercy on us. That's interesting. And, and, and don't just cast us out of the region, but, but cast us into the herd, the, the, the pigs. Is it called a herd? There's a bunch of pigs over there that somebody's responsible for. And it was bacon and ham and pork chops and barbecue ribs and anybody else hungry and all that good stuff. And he says, hey, that's somebody's property though, y'all. And they asked permission of Jesus to cast them into the pigs. You understand the Jewish people, the pigs were like, they didn't touch them. And so Jesus said, yes. And these demons go, go into the, the, the big herd of pigs and they they run off the cliff into the water and die. It's funny to think about, to say it, but somebody's livelihood was attached to that. A town's food source was attached to that. A town's economy was attached to that. And you know what? God cares more about you than he does the economy of anything else. Because in God's economy, he doesn't need money. He doesn't need stuff. He does need you. Because it's the way He chose to change the world. And the townspeople looked at Jesus and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You have done this to this guy. We, I mean, He was, whoo. You've done this to this guy. We don't know where that power came from to do that. And you've killed all our pigs. Because there were no Jewish people living in this town, by the way. And they said, you got to leave. So I want you to understand something. The demons asked, will you have mercy on us? Will you throw us in, into the swan? Both times Jesus said, yes. The townspeople looked at Jesus and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to get out of here. We don't trust what you've done. We don't understand it. So it scares us. Will you leave? Go back to where you came from. Jesus says, yes. But the man who was life was changed made a request. He said, and he got into the boat. He who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might be with him. This man's life was changed. He was in bondage. And he wanted to go with Jesus because he wasn't welcome in his town. Think about it. This guy had been out of his mind for I don't know how long, and now he's going to go back to town. He's going to be normal. Everybody's looking at him like, I don't know about that. We do it all the time. We say, somebody's changed. Oh, yeah, we'll see. And this man begged Jesus to go with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Sound familiar? This is our calling. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. So can I fill in the blanks for you? 
Jesus gets on the boat. The man comes, says, please let me go with you. He said, no, 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 no. Go be an evangelist for me. Go tell your friends, your coworkers, your, 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 your neighbors, your family, go tell all of those people what I've done for you. Sound familiar? And he goes and he tells that. And then when Jesus shows back up to this town a year later, there were thousands of people waiting on him. And Jesus went in and he did miracles in that town. Why? Because one man, one man said yes. Sometimes a no from God requires a yes from us. Sometimes a no from God requires a yes from you. Sometimes what you've got to do is you've got to have discipline. And you've got to say yes, even when God says no. And we've got to understand that just because God tells us no, we're not going to pout. And we're not going to go sit in the corner. And we're not going to throw a hissy fit. And we're not going to, God doesn't love me because he didn't give me what I want. We're not going to do any of that because that's what a two-year-old does. So don't act like a two-year-old. And there are some times that God will tell us no because he sees the bigger picture and he's got something greater. And there are some times that you will go through some things that aren't just for you, but it's for somebody else. And that's the message of today. You've got to be a hope carrier. That not only does God love you, but God loves the person you live beside. God loves the person you work beside. God loves the person that you go to Target. We don't go to Target, do we? That you go to Walmart beside. Is that still a thing? I can't keep up. Sometimes a no from God requires a yes from you. So my question to you today is, will you say yes? Will you say yes? What is God calling you to do let me ask it a different way. What are you pursuing that God's like, nah. And how are you responding? Sometimes when my kids were growing up and they really wanted something, I might have in mind to give it to them anyway, but I tell them no, just see how they responded. Life lessons. Got to hear no sometimes, y'all. Hello, parenting tip. Got to hear no sometimes. Otherwise, you raise spoiled brats. No, we're not going to go to softball practice today. We're going to go to church. No, we're not going to do the travel baseball and spend thousands of dollars because you're not going to go to the pros. Anyway, stand up with me. I'm losing track now. I know your kid will. I know. Hey, listen. All joking aside, I love you. And I want the best for you. And the best is what God wants for you. And that's made possible because of what Jesus has done for you. So I just want to ask you this question. Will you take the next step and say yes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're online. You can text the word next here. If you would say, hey, I'm ready to take my next step in Christ. That may be relationship. That may be going deeper. Maybe getting things right. Whatever. If that's you, would you just, you know what? Just make a commitment to God right now. Right now.
Just make that commitment. You don't have to use these and thous and big words and big letters because I'd be in big trouble. Just talk to God right now. I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as commitments are being made, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring encouragement. Holy Spirit, move in our life. Let us see results, God. Bring someone in our path that we can bring to Jesus this week. Let us have the opportunity to share what you've done for us with somebody else. God, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. We invite you back next week. I hope you'll be here. We'll continue on. We'll pick up the rest of the book of Mark. I think you'll see some things maybe you haven't seen before. But I'll see you next week. We'll love you. Have a good week. Thank you.